Welcome to 321 I Relaunch, the podcast where we discuss return to work strategies, advice, and success stories. I'm Carol Fishman Cohen, CEO and co founder of I Relaunch, and your host. Today's interview is a rerun of a past episode. We do this from time to time so that our newer listeners don't miss out on the gems of helpful information and inspiring stories that have been shared in the past. And we think they're great to listen to again if you've heard them before. Today, we welcome Selena Resvani. Selena is a popular leadership speaker and inclusion consultant, as well as a LinkedIn learning instructor. She writes a column for Philadelphia Magazine on how to make work work and hosts a weekly show on LinkedIn Live, an invite-only platform all about ways to elevate women at work. And I was privileged to be a recent guest on that show. And today I asked Selena if we can talk about topics relating to how to brag about yourself without sounding obnoxious, how to reach out to people to help in your job search without coming across as opportunistic. And Selena told me that that's all about demonstrating executive presence. So that's what we're talking about today, demonstrating executive presence in the hiring process. And here we go. Selena, welcome to 321 I Relaunch. Thank you, Carol. It's really awesome to be here. And I love your message. Thank you. Well, we're very privileged to have you on the show. I'm so excited to talk about this topic because it's very, very important to relaunchers. And I want to dive right in um, by talking about uh, having to be a fierce self-advocate. This is something that I know you talk about. And relaunchers are notoriously bad at this. When it comes to advocating on behalf of someone else, someone else in their family, they can often be quite effective. But when it comes to advocating on behalf of themselves, they can, can, can be weak. So I wanted to know how you reconcile that. Why does that happen? And what do you recommend? Yeah, you know, I think we have all been there where it's easier to pipe up for somebody else rather than to to fight what for what we need. Um, and so what I like to do through um, like the courses I teach through my book is I teach people a model that puts you a little more at ease with self-advocacy. And so whether you're advocating for, let's say, a job offer, you know, more money, you're negotiating for more money or a better benefit, or maybe you're saying no to an offer that's wrong for you, right? Um, mm-hmm. Those kind of situations. And so here's the model just to kind of frame up our thinking. One of the most common approaches to self-advocacy that probably all of us have seen or done ourselves is to be a little too passive. And I mean, kind of advocating for yourself by being apologetic or too appeasing. And when you do this, you're kind of conveying to the other person, your needs are more important than mine. Mm. Mm -hmm. All the way on the other end of the spectrum is a more like aggressive style towards self-advocacy, right? And we've all been in a meeting with somebody like this, probably, who's very insistent and very domineering. Mm -hmm. You know, what they're conveying is my needs are more important than yours. What excites me about self-advocacy is like that magic middle, you know, which I call healthy entitlement where it's your style's direct, it's clear, it's honest. And what you're really conveying there is 
my needs are no less or more important than yours. And, and that to me is, is what we're shooting for. It's, it's, it's two way with healthy entitlement. You know, it allows other people to voice their issues and needs. Um, and so I think it's really important in our actions, in our words, in our body language, not to be too apologetic, but to show mm-hmm. that you have that healthy self-respect. You have some healthy entitlement. Um, Selena, what's the name of your book where you talk about this? Yeah, it's called Pushback. It's called Pushback, How Smart Women Ask and Stand Up for What They Want. And uh, for that book, I interviewed 20 C-level leaders to understand their advice about how to you know, advocate for yourself, since so many of them said it was a huge part of their career success, being able to do that. Mm-hmm. And I'm guessing, you know, this this advice is equally effective for men, too, Um can, can you give us some examples when uh, about healthy entitlement, the self-advocacy, um, like, you know, I don't know, maybe a couple of examples. How did, I thought that was interesting, how to turn down an offer, um, you, you know, how to ask for more dollars, anything you can relate there anecdotally? Yeah, I think, you know, as we think about job search, um, and, and finding that next place to launch yourself or relaunch yourself, there's so many things that are negotiable, right? There's the start date. I've, I know people who had offers where the person's very insistent and sticklerish about the start date. Well, if that doesn't work for the person, that there's a ripe opportunity, right, to advocate for yourself. Um, you know, the focus of your role how soon you're going to be um, assessed in terms of a performance review. That's very negotiable. Sometimes you don't have to wait a full year. You can ask for a a three-month review um, so that it's very clear how things are going or you have an opportunity to advocate for more. You know, professional development dollars, that's a huge one. Um, You know, Will you help cover an MBA or um, certifications I'm interested in, you know, you know, getting while on the job um, often up for negotiation. So I, I think it's an important mindset to be very open to negotiating and advocating for yourself, because often we don't know where there's more leeway and where there's where there's less. So it kind of pays to be able to say, I hear you telling me no to X request, but we're open to granting Y. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes there is more money in the professional development budget than there is in the higher salary budget. Mm, good point. And I really like it when you actually uh, do the role play like that and say the words. It's it's super helpful. Um, and actually, that that kind of leads me to my next question. So, one of the um, issues that relaunchers have uh, is downplaying, downplaying a lot about prior experience. Uh, and how do you put your best foot forward and talk about all of your strengths and relevant experience without coming across as like bragging? Or, or like, you know, crossing that line into sounding obnoxious. Yeah, that's such a, a big one. I think we all kind of battle at times. But um, one of my mentors taught me a saying I love. And she said, if it's true, it's not bragging. 
And I have to remind myself of that sometimes. But, you know, I'd say one of the most important things, and I know, Carol, I've heard you talk about this, too, is don't go in cold and brag. You know, especially if this is not, you know, easy for you with your particular style or personality. If you know this is going to feel really foreign, I encourage people to role play it with a friend or a family member. And I even tell them, do it twice. You know, the first time, ask the person to be kind of neutral towards you as they listen to some of your bragging stories or your great accomplishments. Um, and the second time, ask them to be a little harder on you, you know, maybe to be a bit skeptical or to ask some probing questions, you know, um, you know, to kind of push you a bit and, and, and practice talking about your accomplishments, even with a little pushback, right? Even with a skeptic sitting across from you. And I promise it's going to feel so much more comfortable when you get to game day to the real situation, because you will have kind of tasted those words on your tongue. Um, you will have spoken about your accomplishments. And, and I would encourage you to even take it a step further and try to enjoy talking about it. You know, I, I, I think a great thing people can do is share a moment of pride. Mm. Well, there's something you, you did that you're really proud of. You could speak to it that way. You know, one thing I'm really proud of as a leader of that project was making change A to B. Because when someone shares a story like that or a humble brag like that, it feels more one of a kind. You know, it feels it doesn't feel generic like some interview answers can feel. It feels more one of a kind. So being authentic, sharing a moment of pride um, from the past is a great one. I think one more I really love is to talk about an accomplishment, you know, either framed as kind of learning on your journey. You know, mm -hmm. um, I learned that that X is the most important variable when you're bringing lots of different groups together, you know, mm -hmm. being able to do that, right? You're sharing your own best practices, your own learning. Some people even like to share, like, here's a wrong way I approach something. And then here's the right way that I, I came to and got an excellent result, right? Th those are interesting to listen to and they make a person feel real and human. Um, so I would have lots of those in your arsenal. You know, some people talk about the, the uh, acronym SAR, Situation, Action, Result. Mm -hmm. and I love that. If you can talk about a thorny situation that landed in your lap, an action you took and a good result. I know so many relaunchers have these. You know, mm -hmm. suddenly it's not an answer in an interview. It becomes a story. Mm. It's a fact. It's a fact based story. Huh. So that's pretty darn compelling. And I think I think you can't have too many of those ready that showcase your different abilities. I really like that. So I'm thinking, you know, someone asked you to talk about your strength, uh, a strength, and you could say, well, let me tell you a situation that happened when I had to draw on one of my strengths. And yes. is, is that what you mean? Yeah, I love it. It is what I mean. And I think sometimes people through behavioral interviewing will sometimes ask you for a tough situation. Sometimes they'll be more direct in their questions. So they might say something like, Carol, tell me about a time you worked with a difficult colleague. 
or mm-hmm. a difficult person, right? And overcame mm-hmm. something or, or um, tell me about turning around a negative into a positive. So sometimes they'll ask you, and then you certainly want to be ready with the situation action result. But I really love your suggestion that, um, you know, if they're asking you a strength, why not show, not just tell, you know, the story you're, you're showing. Um, and, and that can be even more meaningful and more sticky. It's more likely to stick in their minds, the story. Yeah, I, it didn't even occur to me to present something like that until right now when you were laying out that strategy. Um, Selena, I want to put you on the spot for a minute. You are tremendously accomplished. So I'm just wondering when, like, you know, you're you're a popular keynote speaker, when someone's talking to you about um, uh, what, if they said, what is your experience uh, giving talks? Like, can you talk about how you would brag about yourself? Yeah, I love, thank you. Thank you for giving me the chance to be on the spot because it's good practice. Um, But, you know, again, to me, it goes back to fact-based stories. You know, it's my pleasure to speak to thousands of professionals a year around the globe. Mm -hmm. You know, um, it's my mission and, and passion, you know, to see Uh, more people move into leadership ranks and to carve out those paths on their own terms, right? Being that fierce Mm -hmm. self-advocate. So that's one way I would do it. Um, You know, sometimes quantifying, like in the case of, of, you know, thousands of professionals, um, that can go a long way in people's eyes. Maybe your number for those of you who are listening, is different. It's a different metric, maybe. Right? It's, it may not be audiences. It might be something else. It might be a different impact you've had. But I find that that can open ears um, quite a bit. Um, so let, let's go into another Q&A situation that relaunchers uh, can find themselves. And that is, you know, how do you tell your story in the best light? If it involves like a career break for your own health issue or you were out a really long time doing elder care or child care. Yeah, this is something that I keep coming back to the same style and approach, no matter if it's a relauncher or someone in a slightly different situation. And uh, the person who created it, her name is Jody Glickman, and she wrote a book called Great on the Job. Oh, yeah, I know her. Oh, great. Yeah, she's wonderful. But she kind of came up with a process that I think is just so universally smart. Um, And she kind of says, instead of verbally listing your long, impressive, you know, set of life experiences in your resume chronologically, which is what some of us want to do, right, when we're kind of put on the spot. Mm -hmm. Her process is to share destination, backstory, and finally to connect the dots. And I want to explain that a little bit. So destination, which is where you want to go. Then your backstory, kind of where you've been. Mm-hmm. And last, you know, what, what are the bridge statements you can come up with that help those two things make sense together or helps, you know, integrate and weave your story together? So I want to give you an example of yeah. this because I know Please. you and I both have an example, <laughs> Carol. 
I love a good script or a good, you know, make it real kind of moment. Um, but in my own career, I have a kind of unlikely combination of my background. I have a master's in social work and yet a, a business mm. degree with that. And so I got my master's in social work first. And so if I was trying to, let's say, get that first job from traditional social work to HR type mm -hmm. consulting, which is a move I made, I might start with the destination I'm looking to, to you know, uh, arrive at, which in my case could sound something like, hey, I'm looking to expand into HR consulting. And I want to combine my consultation skills with improving the employee experience. So here we're talking about and we're signaling to someone, I want to expand into this new area, um, but I'm bringing some things into that experience. Um, with backstory, which is the second piece, you're going more into where you have been not where you're headed. Mm -hmm. So I might say something like in social service agencies and through my MSW, I've had the opportunity to hone my advocacy and my counseling skills and empower individuals, you know, in non-traditional environments. And the, the last one is where you're sewing it all together. You know, given my tendency to think people first, this opportunity is a great way for me to uh, combine my people skills with a job role that really speaks to me. Mm -hmm. You know, I love this. And thank you so much for the example. It is so illustrative of, um, you know, exactly what this, the Jody Glickman approach is. Um, but also I'm thinking about how well this lends itself to a relauncher's uh, you, you know, description of their own background. It, in a way, it is kind of like what we say a bio does as opposed to um, a resume. Because when you talk, when you write your bio, you don't necessarily have to say, and then I took an 11 year career break. You could, you could say, you know, I'm, I'm doing X and Y and, and, and it um, reflects a background in Z and experiences in A and B and, and then you bring it all together. So I love the idea that you are weaving the story of different parts of your background, some of which might have happened during your career break, maybe a volunteer experience, some of, my, of which might have happened years ago. Um, and then maybe some of it includes some kind of updating that you've done with a course. So very applicable to the relauncher situation. I love that too. And your example is so great, bio versus resume. I, I'm taking that note down because you're absolutely right. The beauty of this is you're actively shaping how you're known. You're training them how to see you. And this is something, Carol, by the way, I learned from you too, um, taking a page from your LinkedIn profile, uh, because I love the way oh. you addressed your time uh, when you were uh, getting ready to career relaunch and when you were out of the workforce. You, you handled that so beautifully and had healthy self-entitlement. Um, when you look at the, the beautiful description you wrote on your LinkedIn profile, I think it was a great example of actively shaping how you're known and taking a hand in that and training other people how to see you. Wow. Thank you. Um, I, 
and people can go look at my LinkedIn profile and see how I talked about career break in terms of being a community leader. But I, I, I really appreciate you saying that. Um, so Selena, what is a good way to reach out to people? Maybe, um, you know, we tell people reach out to people from the past, colleagues or um, classmates that you haven't been in touch with uh, for a long time. And you're usually doing this when you are for for relaunch purposes, when you're starting the job search again. And, you know, we tell people to start with saying, I'm in information gathering mode to, to like, you know, take, get them off the hook and not like, oh my God, this person's just getting in touch with me because they're, it's like totally opportunistic. How do you recommend these conversations happen? I guess whether it's a person from the past, present, or someone you've yet to meet, um, when you you need you're at the beginning of the job search or maybe you're in the middle and you real you you want to get help but you don't want to put too much of a burden on them or you don't want to come across as I'm only getting in touch with you because I want you to help me with my job search kind of thing yeah, it's you're right. It, no one wants it to be feel like a marriage proposal, right? Where there's so much yeah. pressure to get it just so. And and so I would just say, first of all, you know, don't tell yourself no before they do. I think that's really important. You know, sometimes we can talk ourselves out of approaching another person, right? And and they've never yeah. said no, but we've told ourselves, oh, they won't remember me. We hardly work together. They are so much further progressed in their career than me. You know, we come up with reasons. So I would say, put that aside if you hear that mental chatter um, and, and you're someone who feels that. And, and remember the healthy self-entitlement piece. You know, most likely you would do this for somebody else. So be willing to, to approach another person when you need it. Um, I like to, in a situation like this, tell them when I reach out something specifically I either admire or appreciate about them. And this is real and honest. You know, um, one thing I really appreciate about you is like your read on you know, our industry, right? Maybe you worked together in advertising before, right? And this person's always really been on it. You know, I'm exploring my next step career-wise. Um, and I'd love 30 minutes with you to, to discuss, you know, either the role, the company, what have you. Um, and then what's really important to me, and this is something I wrote about in my book as well, is when you pitch somebody, your chances actually improve when you give them an out. Mm, interesting. You no, know, it's counterintuitive. And I, I don't think you have to seem, once again, overly apologetic or anything. But I think you can say something simple like, um, you know, if, if that's not possible at this time, I, t I understand that, too. You know, looking forward to connecting. Um, and, and that way, you know, there's very low pressure. Uh, but I think that gives you some pretty good chances of getting a yes. You know, the one other thing I think is really important is if you do get the call with them and, and you're exploring and you're having conversations, I, I think regardless of where you are in your career, if you are so new to the workforce or you've been out for 25 years, right, it doesn't matter. I would offer to help them, too. 
I've seen situations where people kind of might think they don't have something to offer, you know, so they won't. But I would offer, I'd always say, is there something I can do for you? You've helped me so much in this call. Um, I'm so grateful to you. Is there a way I could be of service to you? And let them respond, you know, because you'd be surprised. Someone may say, yeah, I'm, I'm putting out a new website. Would you be willing to look at it and give me, you know, feedback or you know, something you're not expecting? But I, I think it's really appreciated. So I, I think that's a good way to end uh, a call like that. Very helpful. You know, I should have started with this, but we're, we're talking about this topic of demonstrating executive presence in the hiring process. Can you define executive presence for us? Yeah, you know, I teach a course on this. It's one of my favorite things to teach um, on LinkedIn. Even doing it virtually and, and online is, is a fun thing because what you're doing is you're helping people find that confident factor, right? That affects the way they act, the way they look, and the way they speak. And those are really the three filters, um, you know, that I use to define executive presence. Um, but, but so often, mindset is what drives those three things, mindset, right? Just like we've been talking about, you know, the way you write about, and your example, Carol, your LinkedIn profile, the way you write about your experiences, you can either elevate them or you can negate them, right? And that's an excellent example. Your body language, you know, when you walk into that room, that interview room, when we're walking into rooms again and not using yeah. virtual yeah. stuff, you know, do you stride in confidently, you know, or are you kind of hobbling in um, like you don't belong there, right? There's so many ways we telegraph that presence um, or, or maybe that we don't have that presence. And so I think this is a huge piece and, and there's a huge opportunity when you're interviewing to showcase mm -hmm. and, and that I find exciting. So that, that's a question that I had while, while you were talking, I was thinking about when, when I think about executive presence, I was originally thinking about it more. Uh, as related to people who are already working, but you're talking about now executive presence that the relauncher can have when they're coming in for the interview or, you know, before they actually are in the job. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Because I think, you know, we're getting a read on all of those things when we meet somebody again, whether it's like a zoom video type meeting or an in-person meeting, we're getting a sense of, you know, that confidence level, that comfort in their own skin uh, when they're talking about an accomplishment, when they're telling a story. So uh, it's a huge it's a huge piece of the interview process. Selena, one thing that you just said about coming across as um, confident uh, when you're in the interview process has to do with how you deliver this information about yourself. And earlier you talked about how important it is to have these rehearsals um, about, you know, what you're going to say. And, you know, it's, you can see the link between rehearsing and knowing your lines, so to speak, and feeling more confident. And I wanted to know 
how you view that as part of executive presence. Yeah, I think there's like a funny balance, actually. I think there's a funny balance. And I think the balance is 100% if prep gives you confidence, which I would argue it gives most of us more confidence. Use it, right? Use it to your advantage. Don't wing it on some of these things. Um, you know, we, you and I talked about um, situation, action, result earlier. That's something it's very simple to kind of make a matrix for yourself. So you have all those stories in one place, even on one page, right, that you can prep with. So use preparation. It may not sound like the most exciting of your confidence building, you know, tools in your arsenal, but boy, it's effective. And most of us would agree when we're prepared, we sit up a little straighter, we speak with more conviction, right? We're, we're kind of willing to show up all the way when we're well prepared. So don't don't underestimate it. At the same time, I think when we think of people who have really excellent presence, you know, um, really great leadership abilities, they're Mm -hmm. comfortable with off the cuff speaking. Right. They're pretty good at answering off the cuff questions. And Mm -hmm. what I like to share with people is you don't have to be the world's best improviser to to do that. You know, and you can even teach yourself a few scripts or pivots that help you do just that. You know, so, uh, you know, let's say you're you've been creating a, a website about something that's really important or meaningful um, as you're getting ready to relaunch a cause, let's say, right? You could use that experience, first of all, um, to your advantage. You could say something like when questioned about it, you know, here's what I know today. Um, mm-hmm. Start with what you do know. Here's what I know today. Here are questions that I'd still you know, I'm still pursuing or that I'd still like to get answers to, you know, or here are the frontiers we're still exploring. You're driving the conversation in that way. Um, And this is, by the way, one of the first things they teach you in media training. And I know that's Ah, different, right? But that's what they're teaching you. They're saying, listen, you may get grilled with any number of tough questions. It's okay for you to answer with what you do know Mm. or or a really important place you want to steer the conversation. And then afterwards you can acknowledge, you know, some of the areas you still want to shore up. Yeah. Great advice for media training, great advice for interviews. You know, (laughs) you you get a tough question and you say, well, well, here's, here's what I know today and here are the things that I'd be asking and uh, excellent strategy. Um, Selena, we're running out of time now, and I want to wrap up by asking you the question that we ask all of our podcast guests, and that is, what is your best piece of advice for our relauncher audience, even if it's something we've already talked about today? I, I would say this, you know, as you're putting yourself forward, if your presence doesn't make an impact, then your absence won't make a difference. And I say that as someone, I once lost a really important spokesperson opportunity that I was interviewing for. Because when I went for the interview, I gave a really watered down kind of diet sprite version of who I am. 
Mm. The way I dressed, the ideas like I put in front of them, I, I really lost my me-ness. And, mm-hmm. and as great as it is to research the employer or to to think all about them and what they want, I would just encourage you all listening, honor your kind of unique value proposition. You know, the unique parts of your personality. If you're funny, it's okay to be a little funny. If, you know, you're colorful, it's okay to be a little bit colorful. People who hire you generally want someone to bring something to the party that is a little bit new or a little bit different. So I would encourage you to to think about your you-ness and make sure you're bringing that to these situations. I love that. Excellent closing advice. Um, Selena, how can we find out more about your work? Yeah, one of the easiest ways is to go to my website, which is selenaresvani.com, and that's spelled S-E-L-E-N-A-R-E-Z-V-A-N-I. Um, at selenaresvani.com slash sign up, you'll see an invite to join my newsletter tribe. And one thing you'll get right away is 24 phrases that boost your executive presence. So if you like scripts, that's a place you can get them. You can also check out my LinkedIn learning courses online. They're about confidence, self-motivation, executive presence. Uh, and my book, Pushback, is on Amazon. Uh, and uh, if you're not following me on LinkedIn, I hope you will. Lots of great conversations and dialogues there. Yes, and a wonderful LinkedIn Live uh, show that that Selena uh, runs and produces and hosts. And so uh, I also encourage you to take a look at that, uh, at the ones that are archived and also the ones that, that are upcoming. Uh, Selena, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been such a pleasure, Carol. Thank you. And thanks for listening to 321i Relaunch, the podcast where we discuss strategies, advice, and success stories about returning to work after a career break. I'm Carol Fishman Cohen, the chair and co-founder of iRelaunch and your host. For more information on iRelaunch, go to iRelaunch.com. And to sign up for our job board, go to the job board page on iRelaunch.com. Upload your resume so employers looking for relaunchers can find it. And if you like this podcast, be sure to rate it on iTunes and your favorite podcast platform. And be sure to share this podcast with a friend on Facebook, Twitter, and other social media. Thanks for joining us.